And he was notorious for, get, for forgetting anniversaries. So he said, this time I'm going to get it right. So he goes out and buys a card and a gift and brings it home a week before the actual anniversary and puts it away. And when the big day comes, he pulls those things out and he goes to his wife and he says, Happy 10th anniversary! And he hands her the card and, and uh, she looks surprised, shocked, happy. <laughs> and she, she reads the card and all of a sudden she starts to tear up and really is kind of upset and she's getting kind of angry. And he says, well, what's wrong? And she says, okay for a birthday card. <laughs> and the guy says, well, well, hey, I'm sorry. It was an honest mistake. I, I wanted to again, you know, uh, love you on your 10th. On our 10th anniversary, and she said, well, listen, uh, you don't care about me. You care more about your car than you care about me. I mean, if the stripe on your car is just a little bit off on the detail, and you'll take it back. And here you give me a birthday card for our anniversary. And then he says, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Don't I get any credit, credit here? Partial Credit, it seems like you're just angry. And she says, yes, I am angry. I wish you wouldn't have given me anything. And then he says, well, I'm glad I gave you a birthday card on your anniversary. Does that sound familiar at all? <laughs> People with the greatest intent, couples, he wanted to feel respected and she wanted to feel loved and it just did not work out. Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about that and how we can uh, get away from what they call the crazy cycle. We're continuing our study in First Peter. It's been a wonderful study. I'm going to be studying through Palm Sunday. But right now, I want you guys to really pay attention because I am going to give you the secret to a happy, satisfying Fulfilling marriage for a lifetime. No cost. Okay? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? You're ready. Okay. Here it is. The secret of a great marriage. Love your wife and respect your husband. Love your wife and respect your husband. And you're thinking, I know that. What's the big deal? <laughs> Well, the problem is that we really don't know it as well as we should. We don't understand it. We don't understand the differences between men and women. And that's what we're going to look at today. Of course, this is from Scripture. We see Matthew 5, uh, 33 here. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. All right, guys, how much do you love yourselves? All right. And how much time do you spend thinking about Ways that you can have more fun, more convenience, uh, just to, to meet your desires. How many guys love themselves out there? Oh, come on, for Pete's sake, raise your hand. We need a lot of counselors in here. Yeah, of course we love ourselves. Or Jesus, uh, God wouldn't have said it, right? Yeah, we love ourselves. 
Well, he's saying we need to love our wives just as much as we love ourselves. And we go, whoa, <laughs> that is a major commitment. And it is a major commitment. You're devoted first to God, then to your wife, and then to your kids. Okay, we've got to keep those straight because what happens is is uh, we become kid-focused. It's very common to become kid-focused during their growing up years, and then when you reach the empty nest stage, you got nothing of a marriage left. That's why so many people divorce if their kids uh, graduate from high school. You got to keep that fire burning. You got to keep your marital love uh, strong, so critical in honoring God. Now, let me show you what happened uh, in the anniversary story. If we go to the next slide, uh, Emerson. Uh, let's see, Emerson Egrich, I believe it is, wrote a book called uh, uh, The Crazy Cycle or Love and Respect. Love and Respect. How many of you have read Love and Respect? Anybody? Oh, you got to read that book if you're married. You know, get it on the Kindle or something, but uh, it really will give you a lot of insight into what goes on between the relationships between men and women and how they communicate with one another. So... The guy is looking for respect. The guy is waiting for his wife to say, I can't believe you remembered. Okay, that's what he's looking for, right? So he gives her the card and she reacts. Well, she's very angry because it's a birthday card and not an anniversary card. And she just she, she's had it with him. And so she becomes angry. She doesn't show him respect. And, and respect is what he really needs. Respect is what he desires. So then he relates. He gets angry because she didn't show him the respect. And then he reacts without love. That's what she wants, but he's not going to give her any love. It's like, I give you a break. Come on. I tried at least. And then she reacts with more anger, without respect. Say, hey, you care more about your car. And then he reacts and he says, hey, I'm glad I bought you that birthday card for our anniversary. Does that make sense? See, the key thing here, guys, you got to understand, is that the main thing that a man wants is respect. It's not love. It's respect. Okay? That's how guys are wired. That's why you've seen so many men go off to battle, uh, willing to give their lives for their families and for their country. Because that's respected. Interesting, isn't it? Now, what is the one thing the wife needs? She needs to feel loved. She needs to feel cherished. Uh, She needs to be cared for. That's her main need. But when you get involved in this crazy cycle, we drive ourselves away from each other. Because you see, when a man... When a man is criticized by his wife, uh, he tends to withdraw. He dives right into his man cave. I'm out of here. I'm not fooling with this. I mean, we're, we're scared of you guys verbally, all right, in terms of uh, <laughs> talking things out, because we know you'll always have the stronger case. Uh, so we just kind of disappear. Now, when the woman, when, when she gets angry, what does she do? She just keeps talking and talking and talking. <laughs> Complaining, nagging, criticizing. Again, I'm not trying to get down you women, but we, we both are sinners 
We're reacting in the wrong way. We're trying to change our man by talking and talking and, and again, doing those things. And he doesn't want any of that. Then he's trying to love you and get respect from you. And when you respond in that way, he goes in the cave. So the critical thing is that when you get involved in this cycle, you stop. And you say, now, wait a second, okay? You go back to the respect and the love, and you think through what you're saying, and, and you say, am I respecting this person, my husband? Or am I loving this person, my wife? That's kind of the essence of what the, the book is about, and also, of course, what these two principles are about. It's like we're wearing different colors, sunglasses. It's like the... Ladies have pink sunglasses on, and the men have blue sunglasses on. And they just see things differently. The man's it's all respect. He wants respect. The woman wants love. And then it's the way we communicate with each other that doesn't show the person what they want. Now, when they go to their other girlfriends and share what happened, well, they've all got the sunglasses. Oh, are you kidding that is unbelievable. I would have ripped that card up if he did that to me. And then the guy goes to his guy friends. He said, oh, hey, I'm sorry, man. It happens to everybody. I don't know why she got so upset. She should give you like 30 points for that out of 100, I think. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, what's the big deal? And so we go to the people who think just like us. And then we come and tell that to our spouse, which is really, really helpful. All right. First Peter 3.1. We're going to look at this passage today. It's very interesting. This passage is geared toward uh, people who are married where one is a Christian and one is a non-Christian. Okay? Which is common in that day as Christianity spread. So keep that in mind. You gotta remember Peter had said you need to submit to the government. I was talking with somebody after service and I said, I don't feel like submitting to the government. I I disagree with them. And I said, Well you can disagree with them, but you still gotta to submit to them, you still gotta pay income tax and all the other things we do as citizens and he agreed with that, but the point is it's not if you agree or not, he says do it. And you have to submit to your employer. Now again if your employer is somebody that you don't respect and, uh, you know, jerks, whatever, you still have to submit to them. And now the wife needs to be submit, uh, be submitting to the husband. And remember the whole point that Peter has been bringing up here is that the best way to be a witness, to shine your light for Christ, for people to be drawn to Jesus Christ, is to live the exemplary life to the power of the Holy Spirit. So people will look at your life, they see how you react to the government, they see how you react on the job, they see how you react in your marriage and say, there's something different there that I would like to have. So again, in Ephesians 3, 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, which means that they're not Christ followers, or also it could mean, some uh, translators believe that uh, it could be you know, if your your husband is kind of checked out on Christianity uh, when once he was 
uh, a part of the church and seem to be following Christ. But again, when your husband is not supportive of your uh, your uh, faith, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. And of course, those of you who have a unbelieving husband or unbelieving spouse, you know this text very well. You spent a lot of time here because you're wondering, how do I change my spouse? Well, of course, you can't change your spouse. But you can live in such a way, you can pray that God might do that for you. And that's really the toughest thing. It's easier to pray than to live in a certain way, right? We could sit down and pray for a half hour, and that's cool, but then we have to go out and submit ourselves you know, to our husbands. That's a totally different story. But God will give us the strength. And I've met a lot of different people who have uh, had a, a person or a husband who is not a believer. And... Uh, <laughs> It's funny sometimes what extent they go to to try to lead them to Christ. I mean, they'll leave the radio in the car on and a Christian station all the time. They'll just keep resetting the buttons and they'll leave books around and they'll leave tracks around. They'll play the Christian TV really loud. <laughs> all those type of things. Well, friends... Again, what he is saying is, it's not necessarily that. Now, books, resources uh, can be helpful at some point, but if your spouse's heart is cold toward God, the most powerful tool you have in influencing them is your relationship with them. And if you're a wife, your submission to them. And if you're, you're the husband, your leadership of your wife. And that's servant leadership. So you're serving your wife. She's number one in your life, and you're making uh, that known by what you do. Now, the challenging thing back in that day uh, was that, uh, again, many of the people in the church were slaves. And if a man became a Christ follower, uh, that wasn't too difficult in his marriage because women that day had no rights. Uh, they were just basically there. Uh, to serve men, and that's what was so unique about Jesus Christ's ministry, because he honored women, very counterculture as he was with everything. But again, they were just there to serve. Uh, if a daughter was living with a father and the father wanted to kill her, again, no legal recourse. Same thing uh, with a husband, so it was dictatorial rule. Uh, and that's what these people are living in, okay? So if the man became a Christ follower, it would be natural for the woman to follow and there wouldn't be much friction. But if a woman became a Christ follower, oh, without her husband, that was like unthinkable. Nobody would ever do that. I mean, that'd be slapping your husband in the face. He'd be embarrassed in front of his peers. He would... Uh, just be so upset that you made a significant decision like that to go against him. He'd view it as as rebellion, and abuse was very common in those days. And so 
Guaranteed, if you became a Christ follower as a Christian with an unbelieving husband, you were going to suffer. You were going to suffer for that decision. Now, they didn't have any place to go. Now, today, if you're you're suffering physical abuse, other types of abuse by your spouse, uh, please talk with us. and We'd love to help you. You need to get out of that situation until you can get things ironed out and hopefully bring that marriage back to health. But don't. Don't allow yourself to be abused. That is not what God is saying. But in this day, again, they couldn't do much about it. So, we look at... uh, Ephesians uh, 3.1 again. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of you do not obey the word, they be one without a word by uh, the conduct of their wives. That's a real powerful statement. So you respect uh, your husband who is a non-believer, and you seek to live for the Lord, and then you put it in the Lord's hand. And trust in Him. And it's hard to do, but it's the right thing to do. The most effective. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 22-24. Wives, submit to your own husbands, to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church's body and is Himself its Savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything, to their husband. Now, obviously, this is a hot topic, been a hot topic for a long time, and our cultural values have changed uh, quite a bit in regards to the relationship between a man and a woman. But friends, this is God's Word, okay? It's not an opinion. It's not just one way to view life. This is how you need to live your life out. Now, again, remember in Ephesians 5, it's all based around mutual submission. Any relationship. You're always seeking to help the person. You're always trying to put uh, their needs before uh, your needs. And again, as we'll read more about a man's responsibility, we'll learn that, that he really has a lot more on him than the woman has on her in regards to responsibilities and accountability for that marriage. But Jesus Christ is head of the church. And the church submits to Christ. And in the same way, a man is head of the home. And the woman submits to the home. Uh, my wife Lori and I, um, just such a wonderful wife. And, uh, you know, I don't pull you know, this particular card often because I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll talk about different things, and you know, she, she has really strong opinions. I'll listen to her, and I'll try to understand. And uh, but when it comes down to it, if a decision has to be made, and we haven't come to agreement on it, and if I feel as the leader of the house that it really has to be made, I need to make that decision. And obviously, not all my decisions are the right decisions. But again, that's how God has set it up. And uh, she has submitted uh, to me, uh, and uh, I seek to submit to her. Because you see, if it's ideal, you've got two people who really love each other, who really care about each other, who want to meet each other's needs. Okay, so if the guy really does 
love his wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, Jesus Christ died for the church. I mean, I'm going to be her servant, a servant leader to her. And then, of course, the opposite side is you say, well, my husband, he's not a Christian. Uh, he, uh, again, is not very nice to me sometimes. Uh, does a lot of things that I would not prefer him to do. What about that situation? Well, according to God's Word, according to what Peter's saying here, you need to submit. Obviously, not doing anything illegal. And, of course, he talked about abuse. And you've got to use your own judgment in terms of how you respond to him and, and tell him how you feel about things. Uh, but ultimately, you know, as a general rule, you need to submit to him. And he's saying to these Christian women married to non-Christian men, submit and then you'll have the greatest witness in his life, much more than anything you would say or anything you would do. Now, we look at Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So already, guys, we know that we're supposed to love our wives as much as we love ourselves. And all this has to happen, of course, through the Holy Spirit's power. You know, we're dead in the water. We're trying it on our own flesh. Uh, we need to continue to ask God to change our hearts. And it's a long process. You know, marriage is a journey. Marriage is a journey. We've been married 26 years. And you just continue to learn more and more about each other. And you have your ups and your downs and things of that nature. But if you continue to seek God, Keep Christ at the center of the relationship. Follow the biblical model. You're going to glorify God because you're going to have a marriage that people are going to look at and say, I wish our marriage was like that. That's exactly what you want to do. And again, we're asked to give ourselves up. For, well, again, Jesus Christ died. So guys, when you talk about, uh, when we talk about serving your wife, and loving your wife and submitting to your wife in the sense of uh, saying, you're, you're much more important than I am. That's a tall order. And we're, we're going to stand accountable when we stand before God. I mean, we're not going to be judged for our sins, but we'll have to account for our, uh, our behavior here on earth. And if you really were nasty uh, to your spouse, did not care for her, you're, you're going to have to fess up to that. Uh, so, again, she's not going to have to say anything. You're, you're accountable uh, for that marriage. You're accountable for that family. And that's a very heavy responsibility that we need to take uh, very uh, seriously. So, there you have it. Uh, let's go on to 1 Peter 3, 2. Now, when your unsaved husband sees your respectful and pure conduct. Again, that's going to influence them more than what you say. So the pure conduct is uh, speaks of a sexual type of purity as well as other types of purity. And then again, we see that word respect. Respect. So again, ladies, you need to read this book or dive more into it. Just go on the internet. You can find summaries. But really to think, am I respecting my husband? You might want to even ask your husband, is there any way I disrespect you? 
the most natural way to respect him is to thank him. Thanks for providing. I just appreciate you for this and I appreciate you for that. And that, again, is all respect to him, uh, that you think highly of him. So you look back at the crazy cycle. And, and again, the problem, again, is that women do not approach their husbands with respect. They, want to, they, they love them. I mean, we all love each other in our marriages, and we, we want the best, but we approach it in the wrong way. So the woman goes after the husband, and the husband shuts down. So that's the first thing that we need to keep in mind. Guys, we shouldn't shut down. That's sinful to shut down. When your wife is trying to talk to you about something that is of concern to her, and she might use the wrong type of language, but that's sinful for you to go running. You need to stay there and process through that issue. And you'll mature in that way. Now, for the, the man, I mean, that's what he does. And the woman, of course, as we talked about, uh, she keeps talking and keeps reminding and you know, criticizing. And that shuts the man down well. Ladies, you need to be very careful in what you say uh, to your husbands. You have to deal with issues. It's not easy, but you have to be careful because you've got to understand that we're all wearing different sunglasses. Well, it goes on here in verse 33. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Now, throughout history, uh, women have spent a lot of time adorning themselves. And we do appreciate that. Uh, But again, he's drawing this contrast here. He says, don't make that the primary thing in your life. But he goes on verse 4, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So what he's saying is, if you're really going to change your husband's heart, you need to cultivate again your soul. Your soul, the only thing that's going to go on for eternity, you need to, you know, keep that soul a garden, you know, free from weeds. You need to cultivate the soil. You need to put nutrients in the soil. Uh, make sure you get enough water. And, of course, that analogy just carries over to your Christian life. You know, how much are you investing in your relationship with God by spending time with other Christ followers, by... Uh, studying the Bible, uh, being in prayer. Uh, there's just so many different ways you can cultivate your relationship with God. But the true test is if you added up all the hours that uh, you adorn yourselves externally, how would that compare with the hours that you invest in cultivating that garden? And so we see here in verse Peter 3, 4, but let your adorning be the hidden person the soul of the heart with the imperishable beauty, okay, so it's going to last forever, it's imperishable, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight, there we see that word again, is very precious. Precious. That's what he called the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for you more than anything. He wants to see your soul or stronger and stronger, and, and you to, to find your hope in Him and not put it in other things, and for you to 
have your life uh, cleansed by the Holy Spirit on a day-by-day basis, that is the one thing that will draw your husband uh, to the Lord. 1 Peter 3.5, For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. So he's going back to the Old Testament saints. And notice they put their hope in God. When you say, I'm going to submit to my husband, what you're saying is, I'm submitting to God. I'm putting my hope in God. Because that's how it works. God is, of course, uh, on top. And the husband. And then uh, the wife. And I, I want to be make it, make it very clear. Uh, it's, this is tall, talking about military ranking. But it doesn't mean that the husband is smarter or more intelligent or more gifted. or It doesn't mean any of that stuff. You're just fulfilling a role. He's fulfilling the leadership role, and you're fulfilling uh, serving him uh, in terms of submitting uh, to him. Now, again, it's a team effort. Marriage always is a team effort. So if one is strong in one area, then well, you take that area. But really, it's the husband who should be overseeing it all and making those decisions. And women also need to be careful because sometimes because the husband doesn't seem to be interested, they'll just take the leadership themselves. Well, that's wrong, too. What you need to do is you need to do everything you can to empower your husband to lead the home. First Peter 3, 7. Or, excuse me, First uh, Peter 3, 6. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, we're all children of Abraham and Sarah, for Christ's followers, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So the idea is, what would be frightening? Well, for a lot of you, it would be frightening to fully submit to your husbands. And to go to your husband and say, I want to fully submit to you. No way am I saying that. <laughs> That's dangerous. You don't know my husband. You don't know his judgment. Yeah. Well, friends, you got to put your trust in God. And obviously, there's give and take and things of that nature. Uh, but that, that's just something you grow in. And uh, it really becomes a beautiful dance in life as God intended it uh, to be. So don't be frightened because you're putting your hope in God when you're submitting uh, to your husband. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Uh, I think this is good biblical grounds that our wives should call us Lord. So when I get home today, I'm going to. Lord's going to run up to me and say, Lord, what might I do for you? It's a fantasy, I know. <laughs> but it's in the Bible, it's biblical. <laughs> Look at First Peter three seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, the the burden of the marriage, in the most positive sense, is always on the husband. The wife just needs to follow. The husband needs to step up. And some of you guys are not stepping up because you say, oh, I don't want to do that stuff. I'll let my wife do it. Wrong. Now, again, if she manages the finances, you can say manage the finances and I'll oversee it. Uh, But you need to support her in every way possible and work with her. It says, husbands, uh, live with your wives. Live with your wives. 
some of us run so fast, you know, uh, especially if we have kids. Uh, we're you know, doing all of our own work and taking care of the kids and taking them here and there. When was the last time you really had a significant conversation with your spouse where you said, how are you doing? How are you doing emotionally? How's your walk with God? You know, what are your dreams about the future? Is there anything you're frustrated with me about? That's how you understand your wife. You've got to talk with her. I know that might be a foreign concept. <laughs> I know my wife. Her favorite color is blue and likes pizza. No, 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 no. Women don't like pizza anyway, as they're, <laughs> they're much more <laughs> sophisticated than myself. So, uh, so you understand her showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. That's an interesting term, weaker vessel. It can be interpreted a couple different ways. Uh, some say, well, it's just because the man is stronger uh, than a woman. That's why they say weaker vessel. But I think it goes beyond that. I, I think there's a mystery in the marriage relationship uh, that when uh, you treat your wife, it's kind of like there's a fragility to her when you're married to her. Not that she's fragile. I mean, she can go out and do whatever she wants. But as I'm married to, say, Lori, and we're in a relationship, she's just a little more fragile than me. So I have to really be careful in how I treat her because she's my, my treasure. You know, She is the one that I want to cherish and love. And therefore, as a man, with sometimes the way we are and what we say and what we do, I really have to watch out because she's much more sensitive than I am. That also is the idea of the weaker vessel. Uh, so there's some different interpretations of that, but I, I just think it speaks of the man having to work harder uh, to truly honor, honor his wife. And again, that's the same word as precious. So Jesus Christ's blood was precious, and certainly our wives are precious. Well, we go back to this uh, crazy cycle. Uh, there was a survey done of uh, men and women and uh, how they felt about their marriages. And 83% of men felt disrespected. And 72% of men, uh, women that is, felt unloved. <laughs> okay? That makes sense. So we have to start thinking about this. And, and again, ask them, you know, how can I love you more? How can I respect you more? The one thing that I want to emphasize here is uh, Proverbs 12:18. There is one whose rash words, like Thor, a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I've been in a lot of marital counseling and uh, talking about different issues, and I always ask the questions. You guys ever swear at each other? And usually they say yes. Do you ever call each other's names? Yeah. Just stop doing that. Just stop it. That's the most that's the most idiotic thing you can do. Do you threaten divorce? Well, stop it. Don't do that. You're, every time you do that, you're plunging a knife into your spouse. Words hurt. And it's so much a common part of relationships these days. Well, no wonder marriages are suffering. Don't go beating up 
on your spouse verbally. Drop it today. Never call your spouse another name. That is derogatory. Never. Never swear at your spouse. Just stop it. It's wrong. It's sin. And it's killing your marriage. Well, let me give you some tips on how uh, to communicate. Uh, We have different communication approaches. The first thing is to find the right time. Again, as I've said many times before, 10.30 on Sunday night is not the ideal time for an argument. Uh, Again, I know they say you don't go to bed angry. Well, sometimes I think it's okay to do that if you say, okay, we're going to talk about this tomorrow when we're awake and we're not uh, livid at each other. That would probably be a better time to talk about it, don't you think? (laughs) You know, because usually these are deeper issues that really get us going. The second thing is face-to-face. Now, this is the most challenging thing. You know, people with their cell phones, wherever they are, they get their cell phones out. Uh, you just need to sit down with your, your, your uh, spouse, and you just need to spend time with them, like I talked about uh, before, and work through issues. And, and again, men, you don't go running away you know, because she's coming after you. <laughs> and women, you do your best job to... Explain what the problem is. Explain what your concerns are. Uh, do not attack. Don't use a lot of you statements, but I statements and we statements. And be honest. I mean, there's so many things. It's amazing how fast time goes. And in marriages, sometimes people just put issues on the shelf for years and years. It's amazing. They just don't talk about that issue because it's way too hot. And they know it's going to cause problems. But it's hurting their marriage. Okay? So you have to be honest with one another. And as you do this regularly, you earn their trust. Uh, next thing is uh, check your body language. You know, be looking at them. Don't be looking at anything else. But really, I mean, do something you haven't done in a long time. Look right into their eyes. You know, get two chairs together and uh, just sit right there and just really listen to them. I mean, when does that happen in our world other than going out to eat, let's say? When you just sit down like we did on our marriage retreat uh, and two chairs and you're just looking at each other, seeking to communicate love, seeking to understand one another, and seeking to build a stronger marriage Another thing is uh, try the 48-hour principle. If you're mad at your spouse about something and you're not sure whether you should bring it up or not, wait 48 hours. Wait two days. And if you're still hurt by that or whatever the case might be, then talk to them about it. Because so many times we just react out of emotion. We come home from a stressed-out day, and who do we take it out on, right? We take it out on our families. That's wrong. It happens so many times, okay? So we need to, to keep all those things uh, in check. So I have an uh, assignment for you guys today. What I'd like you to do is to write down, for the uh, men, write down five things that you love about your wife. 
That's today, okay? And then uh, for the women, I'd like you to write down five things you respect about your husband. And I encourage you to do this as quickly as possible. Do it right now so you have it ready. Do it soon. Do it over lunch. Just sit down, again, eye to eye, face to face, and talk about these things. And again, wives, I give you the permission. If nothing's happening, you're laying there in bed. Have we forgotten something? Something Pastor Dan said. Do you remember anything about that? <laughs> Do it today and make it a uh, habitual process in your marriage. Because, friends, there is so much truth found in what I've shared with you from the Bible. And buy the book, Love and Respect, if you haven't read it. It will help you even understand this material deeper. Well, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for marriage and our marriage, marriage, the whole idea of marriage in our society is uh, just being dissected and taken apart and redesigned, and it's not what you designed it to be. And that's why this world is going to get worse and worse as they continue to disobey you. I pray that we as Christ followers would have God-honoring marriage. Yes, life is tough. People have issues. People have baggage. But we can work through it. And I pray for anybody here who would like to talk to me or any other pastors or small group leaders, people they know, and are struggling in their marriage. Uh, I know a lot, a lot of people here are. And I pray that you would encourage them uh, to, again, submit to each other. In Christ's name, amen.